0: Welcome to Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It is Wednesday, August 18th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. Conference Realignment is the college sports story that will be with us until things are settled, and we'll go there today with Calvis Robinette, Gary Bedore, and Jesse Newell. They cover Kansas State and Kansas for McClatchy. We also get into a little Kansas State football. Two starting quarterbacks, huh? and some Kansas basketball. The Jayhawks roster numbers 18. What will Bill Self do with all of these players? But everything involves realignment and future conference homes for KU and K-State. So let's talk sports and conference musical chairs with Kellis, Jesse, and Gary. Kellis Robinette covers Kansas State for the Kansas City Star and Wichita Eagle. And we are gonna talk a little Wildcats and some Big 12. And when you talk about the Big 12 these days, you have to talk about all the other conferences because that's just how it is uh, in realignment 3.0. Tell us the, I guess the latest development was the meeting last weekend or late last week among uh, Big 10, ACC, and Pac-12 leaders talking about uh, several several items, some sort of working cooperation. Conspicuous by its absence was the Big 12. So. What do we know about that meeting among Big Ten, ACC, and Pac-12 officials?
1: I mean, as far as I can tell, they basically took the idea that Bob Bowlesby had, you know, two or three weeks ago to meet with the Pac-12 commissioner and have some exploratory talks and go over some some issues that would be symbiotic for both conferences and uh, decided, you know what would be even cooler than you two doing that, (laughs) us three doing the same thing, but uh, Bowlesby and the Big 12 can't come. So that kind of seems like what's happened um, Two conferences. were talking about, you know, finding ways that they could uh, coexist in a better way. And uh, the Pac-12 has decided that, uh, you know what, before we commit to anything there, we at least want to talk to the Big Ten and the ACC about this. I don't know exactly what the the end game is in all this. It seems like the main thing they're going for here is just uh some type of uh, three-conference cooperation that'll gain them political clout so that if the SEC comes in and says, we want to do this, they're all aligned and can say, no, no, hold on a second. We got the numbers. We're going to do this. Um, there's been talk of a scheduling alliance. And while that would be cool and fun to think about, I have my doubts that you could seriously arrange a three-conference scheduling alignment, um, especially with all the other you know, games already on the books going on 20 years from now. But the, at the end of the day, it's uh, not great news for the Big 12 that Bowlesby was left out of that group text and that everybody else is uh, go, moving on and talking about the future without the remaining eight schools.
0: Right. I, I think the Pac-12 is doing its due diligence. They Their commissioner talked with Bowlesby, and now the commissioner, Klavikov, he's going to see what the ACC and the Big 10 wanted to say. Look, I just think the Pac-12 was doing what it needed to do, needed to talk to other people. I, I think you're right. Scheduling alliances are difficult to construct. The Big Ten and the Pac-12 actually talked about it, about in 2010, uh, that was going to start, you know, later in the in the decade, and it never happened. It just they're just so difficult, as you said, because of the the future scheduling that's been done. And yeah, you can go on websites and see a lot of schools have their future schedules completed into the 2030s. The other, but the other aspect is governance. And, you know, being a voting block, I do think is important for those three conferences. They, do, they don't want to have the, the SEC dominate any kind of legislation as, as long as all this, all this remains under the NCAA umbrella. Um, what, one area that comes immediate to mind is the college football playoff expansion. You know, it's we, at we four teams now, and there was a lot of excitement just a couple of months ago at the prospect of it expanding to 12 teams. That excitement was doused by the, the announcement of Texas and Oklahoma to the SEC. I think the Big Ten, ACC, and Pac-12 are saying, no, we're, no, we're not in a hurry to go to 12 if we're looking at a 16-team SEC with all these major powers in there. The SEC is talking about getting maybe half of the 12-team field. So I do think that that's one area where those other conferences can have some influence over the growth in college football, or at least the way college football is, is moving right now.
1: I agree. And uh, one perhaps positive that comes out of it from the Big 12 perspective is that if you buy into the conspiracy theory that ESPN is somehow behind all this and plotting to ruin the Big 12 every chance it gets, this does kind of cut off potential that, that ESPN would control both every single SEC televised game as well as every single college football playoff televised game. Because that's kind of where, like, again, if you're super into conspiracy theories and they're pulling all the strings behind this. You can look at it and see, boy, ESPN, if they were continuing down this road, um, was pretty close here to televising every single SEC game there is, televising every single college football playoff game there is. And at that point, there's really no room for any other major players in the game, which uh, doesn't really make the most sense if you sit back and look at it. I mean, look at the way the NFL works when they get to the playoffs. Who televises the games? It's not just one network. It's CBS, it's Fox, it's ABC, ESPN. They spread it around um, the NCAA tournament. They have they have it on four networks. And there's a reason they do it this way, because with four networks combining all their money and saying, we all want to host this, everybody gets more money. It's not just CBS saying, we'll give you this and the story. So I, I think uh, in that way, if there's a way that they can prevent that from happening and they can create an avenue for more networks to bid on this thing and maintain access for uh, six conference champions, and in a roundabout way, maybe it is a good thing
2: for the Big 12.
0: Here's uh, one of my latest theories on, on this. It involves ESPN. Might it not be in ESPN's best interest to have some or all of the Big 12 programs wind up in conferences that at least they desire to be in, meaning what would be the power for conferences? And my, my reasoning is this. ESPN is going to be on the hook for a lot of money if Texas and Oklahoma leave after one year. There are uh, there's the Longhorn Network that's going to end, uh, which ESPN will will owe Texas a lot of money for that. Anyway, would it not be a, a, a good business decision for ESPN? They have deals with all the conferences now. They, they they don't they're not exclusive rights holders for all of them, but they have deals with all the conferences. They give them a little more a little bit more money ask them to take in some of the Big 12 schools, if not all of them, and they'll say, we'll make it whole. By adding these schools, uh, nobody's going to lose their annual share of, of television revenue. And this way, Oklahoma and Texas to the SEC, which is what A- ESPN really wants, won't have to pay an exorbitant exit fee to the Big 12. And I'm just wondering if, you know maybe it's pie in the sky thinking, but just some way to, to make it work for everyone right now. And with this suggestion that we're looking at an expanded Pac-12 or Big Ten or even ACC, but if Big 12 schools in those conferences can be full members and all the teams in those conferences can get full shares, then maybe from a financial standpoint, that makes sense for ESPN.
1: Well, if there's any way to get all these parties to start singing Kumbaya again, that's it. And that's a good idea, Blair. I hadn't really considered that, but you know, they kind of went that route ten years ago or whatever when they were when the big twelve was deciding what to do when texas a and m um, and Missouri left and they were deciding, well, do we do ten teams? do Do we do twelve teams? Or maybe I'm thinking a year afterward, maybe it was just when Nebraska and Colorado left. do Do they expand beyond that? Do they stay at ten? And the ESPN came in and said, don't worry about it. We'll just keep giving you the exact same amount of money. Just with ten schools. Everybody's happy. Nobody's looking looking around anymore. I don't know if that's what ESPN wants here. I think it does help. I th- do think it does make sense for them to keep these schools in a power conference, just because if you don't, you're uh, losing interest in some major areas in the country. If neither Kansas school was involved in a power conference, if Iowa State was out, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, TCU, there's just, I mean, those are some big areas that are, are used to watching big time college football. And if you downgrade them, that's not good for anybody. I mean, shoot, if if there is a way for conference expansion to happen, I think that's actually one smart way that it could work.
0: It also goes back to my thinking that outside of ESPN, nobody wants this to happen. Texas and Oklahoma, I, my guess would be, are, are going into the SEC. Certainly, it's a business decision, but from a competitive standpoint, they're better off in the Big 12. I don't think Alabama or Florida want another difficult opponent on their schedule. And we know how the ACC, the Big Ten, and the Pac-12 feel. They're due to the point where they're they're meeting with each other to talk about how to react to it. Nobody wants this to happen except ESPN because it means more programming for SEC football programming for that network. And look, Oklahoma and Texas really had no choice in this. They suggested that they go. They're going to go. And... It's easy for me to say this and for us to talk about it because we're in the middle of the country. We're in the part of the country that's going to be most adversely affected by this if it continues. And look, hey, before we switch topics, Kellis, I know you've, you're going to be working on a, a story about this. You've been covering realignment now for the last, well, since it started. So I would advise people to follow you and to read your stuff on conference realignment. So let's let's switch and talk a little football because I do believe Kansas State is preparing for a football
1: season. They are.
0: Yeah, did I read this right? Uh, Be ready for maybe for two quarterbacks. Uh,
1: I wouldn't expect a uh, Daniel Sands, Jake Waters kind of thing, where they're truly flip-flopping every single series. But I don't think Skylar Thompson is going to be out here playing every single down, Brett Favre style Iron Man either, because they're in a unique situation. They've got Skylar Thompson back, who started you know a bajillion games here for five years. He's going to be a six-year quarterback. Everybody. Has a lot of confidence in him. He's got a 10 and six record when he's the starting quarterback under Klein. But at the same time, they got Will Howard back too, who started seven games himself, won two of them. People think he's one of the best, most improved players in the entire roster going back to last season. So it's just kind of hard from a coach's perspective to sit back and say, um, you know what, let's just go with one when we got this other guy here we really like. I think they're going to try to find some ways to use two quarterbacks this season. I'm not saying it's going to be a 50-50 split by any mean, but maybe 90-10, even 95-5. I think they're going to find ways to get him on the field as a wildcat quarterback, somebody who can maybe get in there and run some short yardage stuff, bust a long run. He's pretty good at that, but he's also got an arm too. So if they get in there and they show that he can gain yards on the ground, teams start planning for that. They throw over you know, some run-oriented defenses and things work out that way. It's difficult to say exactly what happens, but I've heard Coach Kleiman mention it. The offensive coordinator has mentioned it. I I think they're going to have a 2QB system to some degree.
0: How about that? When you think about Kleiman at North Dakota State, he may have done that at at one point. I I don't recall off the top of my head if he had a season where he basically had two starting quarterbacks.
1: From what I know, he traditionally tried, if the main guy was healthy, he worked to get him as many snaps as he could. But... Later on during his time there, he was blessed with two really good quarterbacks. He's actually got three former North Dakota State guys in the league right now in Trey Lance, Carson Wentz, and I'm sorry, I'm spacing on the other guy who was like the backup of the third stringer in San Diego right now. But at all those points, there were times during each season where the backup guy came in and played. I remember Coach Kleiman said this last year when they had Trey Lance, they just thought, boy, this guy's just got way too much upside. We got to find some games to get him in on. Now, they weren't using him in the playoffs. When they got to the playoffs, it was all the other guy. They didn't want to disrupt his rhythm. But early on in the season, any chance that they could figure out a way to get Trey Lance out there and give him some experience and build for the future, they did do that. So that's kind of the situation they're in right now.
0: Gotcha. And then remind us who Joe Irvin is.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, he was kind of Deuce Vaughn before Deuce Vaughn got here. So two years ago, he was their most promising freshman running back. He played behind. Two grad transfer running backs came in, and those were the guys they lean on the most. Um, But when those guys weren't on the field, they did get Joe Irvin in there for four games. He looked pretty good. He had 95 yards and a touchdown. And everybody thought, boy, this guy is probably the running back of the future. But then last season comes around, he says, I'm going to opt out. I don't want to play during COVID. Deuce Vaughan comes in, and it looks even better, so now obviously everybody thinks this guy's the man. He's he's the running back. that's going to start and be the bell cow for their offense, but now now Joe Irvin is back. He stayed the course. He worked out. He stayed in Manhattan, rejoined the team, and people are really high on him, kind of think he's a, a poor man's Deuce Vaughn, and they think if they use both of them this season, they'll both get a lot of play, and I'm interested to see what he can do just because um, we talk about what Chris Kleiman has done in the past in North Dakota state. He really loved to play three, four, even five running backs, keep them all fresh, keep defenses guessing on who's going to get the ball. And if uh, they have two capable running backs and Joe Irvin is one of them, then that's going to help Deuce Vaughn.
0: That third North Dakota state quarterback is Easton stick.
1: Yes. There you go. There Easton you go.
0: Chargers, so, okay. We're going to take a break and when we come back, we'll catch up with, Jesse Newell and Gary Bedore from KU. Kellis, good catching up with you, buddy.
1: All right. Thanks, Blair.
0: Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Stars' award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at 50 bucks, unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash SportsBeatKCoffer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Okay, you heard from Kellis Robinette talking K-State and Big 12 realignment. Now we've got Jesse Newell and Gary Bedore. They cover the Jayhawks. I guess we can talk a little realignment here. Kansas really hasn't had much to say about the topic until late last week when new athletic director Travis Goff mentioned it at the gathering of Kansas fans at Corinth Square over in Prairie Village. Gary, you were there to cover that. What did Travis Goff have to
2: say? It was interesting because in his short speech he didn't address it with the fans but he was willing to meet briefly with me finally to talk about it and uh he said that as far as breaking news there was none except he said no formal talks had been held with any other leagues he stressed that he talked a ton with big 12 people saying that they are all really close and The ADs are working well together, which probably is not good news for the fans because they don't seem to want to stay with the Big 12. You know, they'd probably rather go to the Big 10. Goff did say to the fans in talking about why he's excited about KU that their status as an AAU school is something they should be proud of and is important. So there's always that rumor that the Big 10 wants you to be I think it's called AAU, right? It is. And Kansas is one. So that would be okay with the Pac-12, Stanford and Cal, which are proud of their academics and allegedly don't want to add members that aren't good academic schools. And then the Big Ten, which has some that aren't in the AAU, I think. I kind of saw that as implying to the crowd, you know, here's a hint, you know, we're going to be okay because we're AAU. So... I haven't really heard much except the report of last week did not include KU in the alliance thing. But I keep hearing that KU will likely end up in the Big Ten. And maybe that's just wishful thinking of the fans. Don't know necessarily what they bring. I was told by somebody that the Kansas City market is not that great in terms of TVs and all that and does not attract other leagues. So that's the little summary of Travis Goff. He seems excited and not worried, definitely.
0: When the Big Ten expanded a decade ago, there was a method to their madness. They, they went for Nebraska because of the national brand that Nebraska football is and certainly was at the time, and they went to Maryland and Rutgers not because of their athletic success in football, but because that meant the Big Ten network could get on the cable outlets in the Northeast. And so Kansas City absolutely doesn't bring that same type of quality to to the Big Ten. What but, but they do have though, as you mentioned, AAU, KU and Iowa State are the two Big 12 schools that are members of the AAU, two remaining Big 12 schools after Texas and Oklahoma leave for the SEC. And of course the great basketball brand that Kansas brings. So the other thing that strikes me realignment when it happens is always a big story. It gets a lot of buzz, a lot of talk. There's so much uncertainty. There's a ton of speculation, but Teams, coaches, athletic departments have to get on with the business at hand. They still have to operate. There's a football season at our doorstep. You know, basketball recruiting is continues to happen and visits have to be made. And, and, and KU's a couple of weeks away from, you know, the Lance Leipold era starting. So, Jesse, you've been checking out football here for, for a while. I, I don't imagine it's a front burner topic over on the football side.
3: No, I mean, Lance Leipold keeps getting asked about it, and he basically gives the same stock answer, which is sort of like he's going to let the people above him deal with that. Travis Goff speak about it, or potential Douglas Rod if he wants to talk about it. But he's really just focused on football and, again, kind of displaying confidence that is going to land in an okay spot regardless or wherever it might be in the future. But listen, the other part about Lance Leipold, and you'll learn this very quickly about him, is you know, they always talk about for Kansas, you know, 1% better or, or focusing on what you can control and not worrying about the other stuff. I mean, he is true to that to his core. And right now he's got a lot on his plate. He's got a lot of other things that he definitely does have control over and things that do need to get done that have nothing to do with realignment. So he's kind of been preaching the same message. As you mentioned, KU basketball has picked up their recruiting and Bill Self, part of this has been lately um, the talk about the NCAA case and Potentially KU be getting harmed by that. But you know, we can talk about the recent guys they've gotten and next year's recruiting class, what it looks like. It sure looks to me like, you know, Bill Self has sort of gotten his fastball back when it comes to the recruiting. And uh despite the Big 12 potential realignment, despite the NCAA case not coming to a resolution yet. So I agree with you, Blair. It seems like uh, you know, everybody's kind of moving on and moving forward. And uh for KU basketball, it, it has been pretty encouraging, I think, on the recruiting trail, no matter which way you want to look at it, just because the last couple of years have been sort of un KU like just based off of some of the circumstances out there. And uh, that seems to have been rectified here in this off season.
0: I was on the Kansas basketball website just a little while ago. I counted 18 names on the roster. <laughs> um, you know, I know we just took the census here in the, in the U S that's, that's <laughs> a lot of Jayhawks in one place. What can happen with an 18 man roster
2: 4 walk-ons. It's crazy. You're right. There are 18 because Mitch Lightfoot is the 14th scholarship as a super senior but uh, good luck. I mean, there's a lot of veterans that you could pencil into the rotation that have transferred in and common sense would tell you that Bill Self would probably play Jalen Coleman lands more than the freshman coming in. I'm sure he'll figure something out. And I don't know who's been looking good this summer. We don't, we aren't allowed to go to the practices, but I'm sure the freshmen are eager to all fight for minutes as well. So Jesse would know better than me because he does a good job with the minutes and all that projections, but uh, good luck to all the guys because they seem to have enough for two teams that would both make the NCAA tournament probably. Yeah, that's something I wrote about earlier.
3: You can kind of play around with the numbers on the site. and Bill Self has himself two top 25 teams, and you really don't need two. You, you probably need one. Listen, Bill Self, some of his teams, obviously the 2008. 2008- national championship team had a lot of depth and they navigated that but some of those other better teams have not had depth they've been ones that really kind of tightened the rotation got to seven or eight men and they all learned their roles and got to play with each other great and you know kind of what i wrote is this is the year if any year that bill self if he wants to try some crazy stuff he can do it if he wants to do things like a platoon we had you know, the other kentucky had that a couple of years back if you want to substitute more if you want to press if you want to uh you know i talked with ken pomeroy and he said uh, the thing he always brings up with coaches that nobody ever buys is to start guys who are not actually your starters. And that way you can get a nice three minute boost off of the first tip off. And then you can bring your starters in and can save them from some foul trouble Then also be sure to make some other guys happy. But I'm with Gary. I mean, the the reality is the numbers are the numbers. And this all sounds great in theory in the off season, but there's still only one basketball and there's still only five players you can put on the court at the same time. And so KU brought in 24 seven sports top recruiting class in the big 12. And there's a potential out there that basically none of those freshmen play um, because of just the monster crunch and the numbers that are out there. Because again, did you bring in Remy Martin as the two time all pac 12 first teamer to not play 35 minutes a game? I mean, I'm, I'm sure he's going to, and, Uh, Did he come back from the NBA to think that he's going to hit his minutes trimmed down to 31 or 32 a game? I don't think so. So KU has kind of both worlds of this. They have some great incoming talent, but they've got a lot of, as Gary said, veterans and guys that have been there before and returning starters. So it is a tricky thing for Bill Self to have to figure out. But as we always say, that's why he makes the big bucks and he put this roster together for a reason. So we'll see how this all pans out.
0: Okay, before we get to hoops, got a little football to play for Kansas. Uh, the opener is on a on a Friday, Friday night, and two weeks from this Friday. So I want to talk about somebody, Jesse, that you that you have written about recently, Kyron Johnson. The name is familiar to me. And I just I remember him as a linebacker. Might not see him at linebacker though.
3: No, he'll be a defensive end for Kansas. Actually, it's my birthday, September third. So KU football knew they were going to throw a big party and a big bash on that day. You know, <laughs> maybe lots some fireworks afterwards. We'll see. I can talk to him. No, Kyron is uh, kind of a, a physical freak. You know, he's a guy that's going to be on NFL radars because at I think it's 6'3", around 235, 240, something like that. Uh, he has an amazing skill, a burst, to be able to go like from 0 to 10 yards almost immediately. And so you're right, Blair. He's been moving around so many places. He's played different positions. They've moved him inside linebacker, outside linebacker. Now that KU is in primarily a 4'3", under a uh, new defensive coordinator, Ryan Borland, they have moved him to defensive end and they're just going to stick him there. He talked to me about how he's not really used to a three-point stance, you know, put your hand in the ground and kind of like a sprinter get off. But that is going to be, it's so fascinating because these are the sorts of stories that really can pop up where you get a new coaching staff, a new set of eyes on somebody and they say, whoa, I want to put him here and see what develops from this. And, you know, you look at coach Leipold's history at Buffalo and, They bring in some guys that might be unheralded and they end up as NFL players or they maybe unlock something from somebody. And again, this sometimes happens. And this actually is sort of the opposite of that, which is this is a guy with, uh, in Kyron Johnson, amazing physical gifts. So um, we'll see how he's utilized around the edge with this 4-3 scheme, as most of them, when you read about it are, they're more aggressive. You know, you're just kind of maintaining line and you're actually going after people and trying to get some disruption there. So Kyron Johnson, along with Malcolm Lee as well, on the other side, most likely, those two guys, Defensive ends might be the most positive or encouraging part for KU football when it comes to position groups. And Kyron's definitely part of that. We'll see how he fares in this new role. But again, when you have that type of burst, that type of speed that catches the NFL's attention, um, if you can do that at a Big 12 level and do a different position, then potentially you can open some eyes. And uh, obviously, KU needs some playmakers on the defensive end.
0: I'll ask you this again, closer to the beginning of the season, but has, has your outlook changed at all regarding KU over or under for them is one and a half, I think, depending on what outlets you look at.
3: Yeah. So, and I've kind of been consistent with this, and I'm going to get really mathy on you. I know this is not going to surprise anybody, me getting mathy, mm. but you have linear growth, you know, like, Hey, okay. You go from two wins to four wins to six wins or two wins to three wins to four wins. I don't think that's what KU football is at this moment. I think it's gonna be more exponential where it could be zero, and then four, and then six, and then seven, something like that. They're trying to build culture, and I just got back from KU Football Media Day. So much talk about that, attention to detail, accountability, things that players believe that the program needed, and obviously the coaching staff, the new coaching staff, has brought in and implemented. I think the problem here is just the reality of the situation, Blair, where these guys got these players two weeks ago and didn't have their offense installed. Lance Leipold might be taking over, and I have to look this up. I've been told this, but I need to confirm it. He might be the latest power five coach to take over a program outside of, you know, hiring somebody from within that's ever happened in the history of college football. I mean, you take over in May, that's unheard of. And so they're trying to evaluate and they're trying to put in their offense and they're trying to squeeze all this in in three or four weeks. It's just really difficult. And I think I kind of got reminded of this when somebody I was talking to somebody the other day and they asked me, hey, what position group is KU at where they're not the worst in the Big 12? And when you have to struggle to think for a while or <laughs> causes you pause, you don't immediately say five or six position groups. Again, that's what this coaching staff is facing. It's great in theory to say, Hey, it's a new coaching staff. They should win three or four games. But then when I say to you, Hey, they are either ninth or 10th in every position group in the big 12. That's the reality the staff is facing plus putting in a new offense, plus evaluating their own guys. That's a very difficult thing to have to go up against. So uh, it's kind of like KU hey, last year against coastal Carolina, where coastal Carolina got its spring practices KU did not because of COVID. They played that first game and Coastal Carolina was up like 35, nothing. That's the sort of thing that this coaching staff is facing at Kansas right now where they're trying to shove everything into a three or four weeks stretch. So I think there's a lot of reason to be optimistic about next year and the year after that and potentially even, you know, dreaming big about bowl eligibility, something Kansas hasn't had in a long, long time, but As far as this year goes, I really do see this as a year zero. And so any results on the field, if they do happen, any win that happens, I think that would be unexpected. But it would be something that uh, KU football could definitely hang its hat on because they are left right now with very difficult circumstances.
0: And we'll see what conference they're in or who their conference brethren will be in two, three, or four years. Okay, great conversation, Gary Bedore and Jesse Newell. Thanks, guys. We'll do it again soon. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our Sports BKC production staff of Beth Welsh, Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, Chris Pickett, and Savannah Smith. Tip of the cap to Kellis Robinette, Gary Bedore, and Jesse Newell for stopping by and talking college sports. Links to their stories can be found in the show notes and on kansascity.com. Hey, we've got another deal for you. You can subscribe to Sports Pass for 99 cents a month. That's right, 99 pennies a month. Sports Pass is the online version of the Star Sports section You get all the stories that appear in the print editions of The Star, plus additional stories that appear only on the website, and of course, they are posted first on KansasCity.com. After three months, it auto-renews at $5.99 a month, unless you cancel. And it's a great time to subscribe. Read about what's going on with the Chiefs as they wrap up training camp, the Royals, the colleges, our soccer teams, and more. How do you get it? You go to kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. That is kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. Do you want more than just sports coverage? Check out the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports news features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues plus additional national news, sports, features, and business coverage with the e-edition. The details for all of these deals can be found at account kansascity.com slash subscribe and if you're having trouble hunting down any of those offers you just send me an email bkirkoff at kcstar.com and i will get you to the right place so whether it's the sports pass or the full subscription you're getting and supporting the best sports and news coverage in kansas city and helping us produce programs like sports Be kc thanks for listening and we'll be back on thursday with another episode